fair warning, this show contains strong language and adult themes from time to time. Sorry, Jerry can't help it. Sick Boy Wolfgang Productions presents The Offering with Jerry Horror. A deep dive into the history of film and its filmmakers. Mostly horror, always genre. Where can I get my pickles when I can't get to a farmer's market or festival? The answer is Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. Listen, I've been selling a small pickle my whole life. I know all about it. From the vine to the brine, they keep their pickles cold with a delicious, diverse selection of gourmet pickles, including their savory classic bread and butter sweet chip, horseradish pickle, jalapeno pickle, and sweet Cajun pickle. They even got pickled beets and okra, a variety of sour treats for your next barbecue or get-together. But if you visit their store in Bayville, Long Island, New York, there's so much more, so much more. A fantastic selection of physical media, comics, music, movies, VHS, and Matt Roran, their enthusiastic pickle salesman. It's kind of a big deal. Check them out now at hormansbestpickles.com. Hey, quit jerking your gherkin and head over to Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. You've seen these guys at all the horror shows and comic cons. Now you can get your very own inked up merch, the finest in embroidered horror and sci-fi themed merchandise. From Lost Boys to Street Trash, from Chopping Mall to Cobra Kai, Inked Up has the best in embroidered beanies, baseball caps, and patches. Now they've even got their own Jaws-inspired Amity Island board shorts. You gotta take a look, these things are cool. Visit their Etsy store at etsy.com slash shop slash inked up merch. Are you looking to get your own printed or embroidered merch? Inked Up has been in business for over 10 years. Whether you're looking for merch for your band or you need crew logo shirts and hats for your first film production, you need some sick looking perks for your Kickstarter project, Inked Up can accommodate your needs with their custom silkscreen printing and embroidery services. Visit inkedupmerch.com and tell them Jerry sent you. Welcome to The Offering with Jerry Hara, the show where we can have a quiet and frank discussion as adults about the things that matter to me, or at least that I think matter to me. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show wherever you get fine podcasts, and hey, stay up to date on future episodes. This week on The Offering, it's the Friday the 13th Super Special with my very special guest, Bobby Heckman. He's going to be talking all about his new film, Victim No More. Ladies and gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, welcome to another pulse-pounding episode of The Offering with me, your host, Jerry Hara. This week, boy, oh boy, you know what I'm going to say. It's going to be a barn burner. Friday the 13th, super special with the beautiful Bobby Heckman. It's going down. Director of Victim No More He's going to talk all about his movie. We're going to talk about all things Friday the 13th. But you know as well as I know, 
I got some business that I got to talk about with y'all. So let's get into it. This is just a thought that was going around in my head, okay? Nobody wants to tell you the truth. The Kardashians don't want to tell you the truth. Reality TV doesn't want to tell you the truth. The president doesn't want to tell you the truth. So my takeaway for everybody is you got to be honest with yourself, okay? And that's where we get into the whole shit about my life. Everybody's been saying to me, Jerry, where is season two of The Offering? Why is season two not dropped? Why are you not consistently dropping episodes? Well, there's been a couple of reasons, but I figured I'll be brutally honest with you and tell you the truth about what's going on. Unlike the Kardashians and unlike the president, Jerry Hara shoots straight. It's not easy talking about this because I've never really come out on a public forum, but since the year 2000, I've suffered with anxiety and depression, and it got so bad that I was having these panic attacks, I couldn't leave the house. Uh, There was a solid two weeks where I just did not leave the house. It got kind of messy, let's put it that way. Um, And luckily, you know, producer slash seducer Pete, my friend Jeremy, uh, Sean King, who was on the Boarding House episode, nice callback, they helped me get out of, down, out of the dumps, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It was pretty bad. I was, I, I never had thought about suicide that much. And to be quite frank with you, it scared me. Um, I'm one of those people that I never killed myself because I just, it's kind of like a Terminator. I can't self-destruct. It, it just goes against whatever's in my brain. Sometimes it's hard for me to commit to a brand of candy. So committing to the act of suicide would have been just too much. But I, I have to tell you, it, it did cross my mind quite a bit. I didn't know when these panic attacks were going to stop or how they were going to stop. And I was in a pretty dark place. So if you want to know why there haven't been new episodes or what's been going on, that's the reason. But I'm here today and I'm talking to you now. I have gotten through this. It's still a battle every day. Meditation, believe it or not, meditation and a program uh, by Barry McDonough called Dare has really helped me. And it's basically about changing the way you think and the wiring of your brain. If you know someone or you think someone is suffering with suicidal thoughts, anxiety, or even if they're just feeling a little blue, uh, always check on your friends. Make sure they're okay. It's important. Mental health is wealth, okay? It's it's the same thing. If your head ain't right, the body ain't going to follow, and well, you know how that goes. But I'm doing it. And day by day, I get a little bit stronger, I get a little bit more resilient, and further away from being within the darkness that I was. So that's why we've had such a problem getting to this second season. (laughs) Yeah. So I just wanted to let you know, if you yourself, if you have dark thoughts, suicidal thoughts, you have anxiety, get some help. Talk to somebody. You know, worst comes to worst, if you have to, go to the emergency room. They will figure out a plan, but uh, nobody should have to suffer through that stuff. So it's important that we take care of each other. Okay, that was incredibly personal. So now let me deflect because that's what I do. I am pissed off about fan commentaries. Hear me out. Now, there are people like, you know, I've said before, I like We Hate Movies and they do film commentaries and there's four of them and they're able to kind of vibe off of each other. They do... I want to say they do it more in the style of almost like improv. And I like that. And they generally go for films, you know, that you don't suspect. Like they just did one of the Harry Potter films recently. But fan commentaries piss me off because you have a lot of people 
that are just fucking, they're like mutants, you know, and not the good mutants from the drive-in with Joe Bob and, you know, not those kind of mutants. They're just actual fucking mutants and probably shouldn't have a microphone or a camera in front of their face. And I'm not saying that I'm better than them, but here's the deal. I respect John Carpenter's The Fog enough not to fucking talk over it. Okay. If people want that content and you're making that content and, and that's what it is, God bless. But for the most part, a lot of you don't need to be talking over these classic movies because you're not adding anything to the conversation. In fact, you're detracting from a larger piece of art. Okay. There, I said it. You don't like it. You can come at me at Jerry Hara, Twitter, Instagram. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. So yeah, my other, my final piece of business here need to just get into it. Make your movies. If you got a screenplay, write your screenplay. You know, during this whole thing, one of the things that helped me get through this dark period of my life, producer Pete and I worked on a couple of screenplays and, and they turned out pretty damn good. So you know what? I think it's therapeutic, but make your movies. Go ahead. Just go do it. Don't, don't talk about it. Don't say, oh, well, it would be cool. Just go fucking do it. Because today's guest, Bobby Heckman, just went and did it. Make a movie. He's going to tell us how you do it. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I'm just, I just host this podcast. But you're going to learn. Folks, we have got a great show for you today. We're talking all things Friday the 13th. You're going to really dig this show. And uh, on the other side of the break, I will see you. And until then, be well and take care of each other. I'm not sure if Jerry Springer used to say that, but he probably did. He's another famous Jerry. It worked out for him. So, whatever. The number one brand in the entire world is Coca-Cola. I want that to sink in just for a minute. Because Friday the 13th, is definitely the Coca-Cola of the slasher genre, if not the entire horror genre itself. See, let's go back into the 80s. There was a reckless and lawless nature, especially for mom-and-pop video stores in the 80s. And the way that a lot of kids discovered the Friday the 13th films was through these VHS tapes. I was one of them. I wasn't allowed to see the original movies. Uh, my parents, for one reason or another, they always said that there was no redeeming factor to any of the Friday the 13ths. My parents were fine with A Nightmare on Elm Street, even stuff like John Carpenter's Halloween, because if it had some kind of creativity and cinematic value, I was allowed to watch it. Now, here's what happens when you tell a kid he's not allowed to watch a series of movies. That child, being me, became obsessed with the Friday the 13th franchise. There was no turning back, because it was forbidden. It was a door that wasn't supposed to be opened. So you knew at every chance that I could get, whether it was a video store, Fangoria magazine, I was tuning in and my brain was fried by that Friday the 13th goodness. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Friday the 13th. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday the 13th, rated R. I have a very special guest today. Uh, his name is Bobby Heckman. He's director of a film called Victim No More. We're going to talk all things Friday the 13th, 
especially his new film, Victim No More. Wow, I'm going to plug it more than he does. Bobby, welcome to The Offering. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jerry. We're here again. We're here again. Yes. How many years ago was it? I was doing Horror Mania, which is another show. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been... It's got to be 10 years. It's got to be the 10th anniversary of the first time, <laughs> your first podcast, right? That's right, yeah. And it was the first time I was ever on a podcast. And what, what did we discuss? Friday the 13th, <laughs> because that's that's all we know. And, we, and it was three episodes. We did parts one to four. Then the next week, we did five to eight. And then, oh my God. then the new line stuff, uh, nine to 12. It's a lot to cover. Yeah. Uh, I think what I've learned since then is to slow down. And I think that at some point I will cover the Friday the 13th uh, films, mm-hmm. but I want to, I think there's some interesting stories to be told, but I kind of want to mm-hmm. pick and choose my fight with that so I can give it proper justice. Right. So let me just go into this really quick with you. What was your first experience mm-hmm. with the Friday the 13th franchise? Um, I, I, I must've been six or seven years old. Uh, so this is around 81, 82. Um, that I I must have seen pieces of part two mm. on channel eleven, which is PIX. On, that's on that's how that was my same experience. I saw either it was either part two or it was part three where the hippie mm-hmm. is down, you know, the Chong looking dude. Right. Is is down in the basement. <laughs> All I, right. <laughs> I, I I went down, I was downstairs. We had a finished basement uh where we used to live. I ran downstairs. And I know I wasn't supposed to be watching it. I was probably six or seven years old. And it was on Channel 11. It was like the 11 o'clock movie that goes yep. to one o'clock. And it was too scary. It was, it was, I had to, I shut I watched like five minutes and I shut up. It was too scary yeah. because it was in my head. Okay. Uh, I don't know if so much it like scared me. I was just really intrigued by it. Um, my first like horror film experience was Night of Living Dead mm. uh, to a movie that like, at a young age, six, I guess six or seven years old or in the same year, uh, I, I saw it and it like, it was very unsettling, that kind of ending and like, Mm. Oh, like movies don't always end happy. Like, (laughs) yeah. So that kind of shocked me. And then I saw Halloween when it premiered. Yeah. Uh, on, was that NBC? Uh, I think it was, I think it was NBC. It was 1981. It was, Part two was coming out. That yes, that was the infamous NBC, and they were running the the commercials for the second film. Right, and it had that the extended footage because they had shot that during part two with yep. Jamie Lee Curtis and Doctor Loomis. At the, mm. And and I for years, for like the next like eight to ten years after that, I preferred the extended edition because that's what I was introduced with. Yep, you know, was that Doctor Loomis talking to the doctors, and I I love that scene, you know. Uh, so no idea they just did that to just, you know, extend it for TV because they had to cut out like some of the, you know, the sex scene and, and uh, some other things. Do you remember they did the Godfather saga? That was like, it was basically the Godfather one and two all mashed yes. together. Yeah. Somebody recently, and I, it's been making the rounds at horror conventions, did it's the extended cut of Halloween mm-hmm. and the second movie all edited together. That's awesome. And I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, no, that sounds great. And that's... The, it's all one movie, all one night. Well, not you know? to foreshadow, but that's how fans mm. start taking over the narrative. Yes, absolutely. Um, but getting back to Friday the 13th, then I believe I've seen pieces of part two. Uh, I might have recorded part two with the VCR. Um, and I saw part three at a cousin's house. 
Um, and I was like, oh man, I need to like, so, so we went to the local, uh, we, my, me, my mom and I, uh, we go to the local library and then I took out the first one because mm. I needed to see how it all began. Uh, and then I saw them as they were coming out on video. And then part seven was my first theatrical experience when I was 12. Yeah. And that blew my mind how the audience participation of part seven was incredible. It, it was like, it was a party, you know, people were like excited about seeing the kills that every time, like something happened to Jason, somebody would yell, is he dead? And the rest of the audience would say no. And then he would come back yeah. and like, it was just a party. You expected the beach ball to come out and, you know, and stuff bouncing around the, uh, uh, the audience. It's funny because the first one that I saw was part four, which is the final chapter. Mm-hmm. And I was at my Aunt Estelle's house. I was with my cousins who were all older and they rented it and they put it on. And I'm like, holy shit, this is it. I'm, I'm going to get to see this movie. Like I'm here <laughs> and no one's saying anything. It's just like dumb little kid. I'm like, I am right. not making a peep. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy this film. And I want to say like almost into the second act, my aunt came in and saw boobs on the screen and she's like, he can't be watching this. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. So then I had to wait until later and I had to ask my cousin Scott. I'm like, so what happened? And he explained the events that unfold after the second act of the final chapter. And I was like, wow, that sounds like the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And then it, for me, theatrically, when I saw the first theatrical film, was Jason Lives. And it was with Cousin Scott. We were up at Lake George uh, in New York, upstate New York, which pretty much, you know, looks like Camp Crystal Lake. I was terrified out of my mind uh, during that vacation. Probably not the best idea, but I begged him. I said, Cousin Scott, I swear to God, I will do anything. Please just don't tell my parents and take me to see Jason Lives. And I saw it and it blew my mind. I was like, mm. this is this is cinema. This is the greatest film ever made, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I think I agreed at that time. Um, uh, I had my, my, one of my closest and dearest friends I grew up with, uh, his name is Tommy Chiesa. Uh, he, we really kind of influenced each other in seeing like all the horror movies that were out. We, we, we'd rent movies every week at the video store and watch them together. And, and we both loved Friday the 13th. Like we, you know he's like oh you hadn't seen part five yet let's watch part five and you know we we'd go nuts we'd we would play jason because we were like nine or ten years old so one of us would dress up like jason and chase the other one around the house or around the backyard and get friends over and we'd you know hash out some kind of plot uh we were doing basically fan films with no cameras yeah. <laughs> at the time. I remember like one story we, we did was called Training Camp Nightmare, Ooh. where we were like a bunch of, we were playing different characters of like, uh, like it was a, like a boot camp or something. Yeah. Th- this was our nine, 10 year old mind, you know? So we were like, and we'd all be different characters. There would be like the prankster and then the idiot and the drug addict and, so, you know, like all kinds of just weird characters. And then one of us would be Jason and then like be picking off the others. And it, we, we, it had a beginning, middle and end. We just didn't film it. We did the same thing. When you I know? was a kid, we used to play Manhunt, but instead of Manhunt, we would call it Friday the 13th. Yeah. And somebody would be chosen as Jason. And that was a very enviable role. Everybody wanted to be Jason. Of course. Uh, do you remember 
there was a Commodore 64 game that was yes. te- it was terrible. It was, yes. And it yeah. was just like Jason was a little black guy that just and I don't mean black in color. He was <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't like ah. Jason was played by uh, Lawrence Fishburne. No, he wasn't like African American. He was just a little black guy that went across the screen. Yeah, and I don't remember what he looked like, but I remember you're the main character. You're going around, and you the the screen would freeze, and you would hear a scream. Yep. And then you would have to find the dead body, and the way you could revive them, you had to revive the dead body by hitting them with an axe. Yeah. And then they would just pop back up and walk away. Well, I'm it, like, what? You it's were, such a simple game, but so I, backwards. <laughs> I swear to God, we must've played that game for 24 hours straight. I like played it, it at my cousin's house. Yep. Yeah. It was like a, it was one of those things. People at simpler times, you know, yeah. that and space taxi. That's was the Commodore uh, games that we played. Space taxi is a good game. I, rem- <laughs> I remember space taxi. There's like half of the audience right now is like, how fucking old are these guys? Well, let me just explain. Like, <laughs> uh, for the most part, the people that have these clear memories of like, you know, growing up with the Friday Thirteenth movies, I feel like it, it's really like specifically the people in their forties to their, you know, mid fifties. Yeah, I guess like that generation, our generation, Generation X, like we have that experience with it. You know, like so. It's and because we're so passionate about it, we have such clear memories of that, you know, like and it, it, I don't know, I find it really special that well, like I'm so happy to grow up in the time that we did uh, because I don't know if it, uh, you know, I mean, everybody's going to have their own experience with Friday the 13th movies and especially the first one that they see, usually w- the one that introduces them. It could be Jason Goes to Hell, which is one of my least favorites, but to somebody it's their favorite one because it was the first one they they saw in theaters. It was the first one they came across on DVD or or VHS or whatever, you know. And it's like so they had a special connection to that, and I I think that's pretty awesome. And I wonder with this new generation, because it hasn't been a Friday Thirteenth movie in thirteen years, um. So it's like, what is the next generation? You know, do they even care about the movies or or like? Are they going to be exposed to it somehow? Like, I don't know if I was exposed to something that had like, you know, 12 films in the franchise, I'd be so curious. And I mean, you go to Party City, you go anywhere now, Hot Topic or, you know, anywhere. There's Friday the 13th merchandise everywhere. It's a billion dollar franchise. As a kid who maybe loved film, mm. I'd be like, what is this? Let me sit down and watch these. I, I You know, that, but that's just me. I don't know if kids today... Um, we had to put in work. We had to go to the video store. And back in the old days when there were mom and pops before Blockbuster, if they were cool, they were just like, oh, here you go. They don't care what you're renting. Like, I rented the Toxic Avenger. I was like seven <laughs> years old. Nobody, nobody I, cared. I also have a clear memory of renting that, too. And my dad thought it was hilarious. But now it's, it's you know, with the streaming, everybody's got everything at their fingertips. So you can, you know, I mean, if kids want, it's like the old days. We used to have to go into the woods to look at porn. You mm. don't have to do that anymore. You can just open your your father's iPad. But what I was going to say was essentially like my sister, she's in her 20s and uh, it's Scream for them. It's yes. They grew up with Scream. Absolutely. The beginning of DVD, still VHS tapes hanging around. That's that's their franchise. That is the most akin to because it's a sweet spot. And what I mean by the whole sweet, you and I, at the ages we're at, we are at the sweet spot growing up with it on VHS, the video games, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. My parents saw the original Friday the 13th. 
uh, in theaters. I was like two or three years old and they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. They just because there was no characters to them. It was like all these people are just here to get killed. And right. I think that was that was the, the generational difference of like my parents growing up with stuff like Alfred Hitchcock, the Universal mm-hmm. Monsters. And then this is a little bit different. Again, I yeah, I think it's it, it was made for the teenagers then. Yep. So who are in their mid fifties now? Um, like it's it was made for them and younger. <laughs> yeah. For, to grow up and enjoy. Um and take whatever they want from it. Uh, yeah, I don't think anybody in their like thirties, your parents were probably 30 years old at that yeah. time or something, you know, it's like that unless they were really into, you know, the, the slasher genre or the horror genre at that time, I, I could see not being interested in, you know, and I, I don't know. Well, know? this is why I talk about Friday the 13th becoming the Coca-Cola of the slasher <laughs> okay. franchise and it is the most dominant and easily recognizable brand among all of the slashers because you know friday the 13th is a boilerplate reaction to halloween Mm -hmm. and a lot of other people who you know they had never really made a movie and i'm not saying like sean cunningham but like you know the lesser productions that you got so by 81 82 you're completely saturated there's like a million slasher movies Mm -hmm. but Friday the 13th is like the Rocky Balboa of, of those <laughs> franchises. And it's like, it's like kind of winner takes it all. And then even it had its lull because Nightmare on Elm Street comes out, changes the game. So there were people that like me, I'll always love Jason Voorhees. Like I love Freddy Krueger. I love them all. But at the end of the day, if you have that connection and it left that indelible impression, whether it was, you know, your first movie was Jason X or whether it was part three. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about three day. Oh my! You said God. you would never call it three. It's always three day. Yeah, it is. It is part. <laughs> it is part three D. What's crazy too is is like, could you? You know, a lot of times I think uh, the question people ask is like, if you could go back in time and you go to any movie theater, I'm like, it's always Bloodsport or RoboCop. <laughs> RoboCop or Bloodsport is my de facto answer. But Friday the Thirteenth three D must have been incredible to see. You know, mm. live with a real crazy audience. You know. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to have now seen all the Friday Thirteenths in theaters, you know, at like retro picture shows and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, seeing the three D was incredible. It's like it's the only way to see that movie. Yeah, and you know, and it's the only way, man. Yeah, because otherwise it's just kind of like gimmicky, and you just it doesn't quite work when you're just watching it on two D. And uh, but the three D experience, woo. Man, it works. It's we, fantastic. Uh, we, friend of the show, Sean King, we just had gotten around to watching part 3D with the active shutter glasses and the whole spiel that came with uh, the new box set that they had done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, man, it slaps, especially the daytime stuff. The nighttime stuff doesn't really work as well, except for the head crush. <laughs> but the daytime stuff just pops, man. It, right. it, it's beautiful. Shout out to Scream Factory a.k.a. Shout Factory, for doing an incredible box set. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. That box set is probably one of my holy grails in my collection right I now. I love it. I love that box set so much. Yeah. Um, I would love to see, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's got to be the, next. I it's got to be. They did Halloween. They did Friday 13th. They have to do Nightmare on Elm Street. That is the Dracula Frankenstein Wolfman of our generation. So it's like, that's got to be the next box set. I... 
I think we're going to see it sooner than later, you mm-hmm. know, because there's just so much love for it. I think the difference with Freddy Krueger obviously was that you needed Robert Englund. Um, right. The difference with Friday the 13th was, and I want to say probably up until Kane Hodder, you know, Ted White is probably one of my favorites because he has like a really goofy run. I like, <laughs> I like Ted White a lot. Kind of like an ape a little yeah. bit. Uh, yeah, I, I always loved Ted White and C.J. Graham, actually. C.J. Graham, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Part six, Jason Lives. I, I prefer you... non-breathing Jason, uh, you know, if he's zombie Jason from part six on. Uh, I mean, I loved Kane Hodder in part seven, mm. but I think somewhere, you know, halfway through part eight, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this kind of style of Jason. I mean, I still love Kane and, yeah. you know, I enjoyed watching him in all the movies. Um, but just personally as, you know, I, I, I loved CJ Graham and his, you know, stiff dead, you know, almost seems so like this stoic like, kind of yeah, performance like, like he's an immovable object yeah yeah just you know soulless you know it you know where kane like was breathing life into the literally breathing life into the character uh and had his own thing well it's i love it all i, I, that, I mean, that's really what i got to say is that i love every single one of them for many different reasons i i, I exactly even, even the ones that are my least favorite i am so happy they exist like 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 part eight and part nine might be my least favorites, but I have such great nostalgia connect to connected to them. Uh, my mom and I snuck into Jason takes Manhattan. Ooh. Uh, when I was a kid, it was the only movie we ever snuck into. Nice. Uh, we saw something. I think we saw Turner and Hooch. I think it came out the same weekend. Yeah. Uh, so right after that, my mom was like, you want to go sneak into Jason takes Manhattan? I'm like, hell yeah. So we went in that, like, I'll always have that memory and I'll watch that movie as much as I can't stand most of it. I will watch that movie every year. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, there are pieces in all the movies that I like, you, you know, even ones like eight and nine, which aren't my favorites. But I, I love that people like, people hate Jason X. I'm like, I'm glad it exists. It's the sci-fi comedy uh, Jason movie. It's, you know, it's I, like... I went to see that in theaters and we went... I saw it o- twice. Opening yeah. night on Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. and it was me and my friend, and me and my friend. And by friend, I mean me and Dr. Pepper. <laughs> okay. Noted noted doctor. I, I it's a, Those movies are really an audience, out of all of them. Uh, like Halloween, the Halloween franchise is very like, they're like better quality films. You yeah. Know, like, like as far as like acting and style and- uh, suspense and stuff like that. Uh, whereas the Friday 13th, I feel are always like the, the audience participation, like fun ride. Yeah. You know, like you're going, you're going in there to see like some creative kills and, and some wacky fun characters. We're here to have fun. We're here to have fun. And like, how is, how is Jason going to get, get it in the end? Like yep. who's going to be the final girl? And, and, you know, you know, I, I What's Jason going to look like without his mask on? Yeah, well, in, in every single Friday Thirteenth, he has a different style. Yeah, you know, like because it's always a different makeup artist or whatever. They would. It's like it's so funny now because everything is so uniform. Like you look at the MCU and the Marvel films, they would never like 
there would be somebody, you know, in, in licensing or branding would be like, it has to look consistent. Jason has to look this way in every film now. Right. <laughs> they would never let that fly. Yeah. Um, it, it could be true, but you know, and it, it, it's just funny how they did that. And it's like, and it's funny. And we didn't care about continuity. No, no. You know, like we had like one thing that bothered me a lot in, in the beginning of Jason takes Manhattan was when you first see Jason come back to life, he's wearing leather gloves. And it's like, where'd he get those? <laughs> it's like, because part seven, he had the bony hands. It's like, where'd he get the gloves from? He just all of a sudden has gloves. It's like, like the continuity didn't matter. Yeah. Know? His, his visage in Jason takes Manhattan is a downgrade for me. Uh, <laughs> I, the, the John Carl Beekler, the soggy, makeup. soggy white, you oh. know, he's, he's all pussy. Yeah. But again, it's like, it's a choice. It's a choice. And, you know, uh, and I, and I love that, you know, again, it's my least favorite, but I'm happy it exists. I'm happy that there's fans out there that that's their favorite one. That might've been their introduction to it. Uh, it's a specific look. So when you see, you know, if they ever make that Jason Dix Manhattan figure, you immediately know it. I, co- I see it cosplayed all the time at conventions, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the Jason Dix Manhattan, he's holding like the, uh, you know, the uh, fire axe or something. It's the you know? wet Jason versus the dry rub Jason. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I feel like as you get older, there's films in the series that you appreciate more. Mm-hmm. And the two that I've grown to love, I love part five. I love Jason Takes Roy. Roy, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Roy the paramedic. Yeah, you know, the new beginning. And, Roy uh, Burns. Love that movie. I love it because it's the last of the sleazy movies. Yeah. It's, it's you know, Danny Steinman directed it. I mean, Jesus. This, he did a lot of porn, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Savage Streets. And Savage Streets with the lovely Linda Blair. Right. <laughs> uh, definitely check that one out. That's a recommend <laughs> from the offering. Uh, yeah, it's crazy because... As time went on, and even like the second movie, it's like, well, he doesn't have his hockey mask in the second movie. Because a lot of times, we were getting what was available. Sometimes mm-hmm. you went to the mom and pop, and they didn't have part three. So those films that I go back, and now I say to myself, I'm like, wow, I really like part two. Part two and part five are something that I've gone on now as I've gotten older. I'm like, I fucking love these movies. They're so good. And I... I love this box set. I can't talk enough about this box set, but man, I watch it and I'm like, oh, part two slaps and they look beautiful. They're gorgeous, especially if you got the Blu-rays. So this was kind of my question to you, Bobby. Okay. What's your favorite entry in the Friday the 13th franchise? Well, growing up, up until probably my mid-20s, I would say part six, Jason Lives, was my favorite growing up. I... I agree. Adored Jason Lives. It was just, I love the gothic horror element. I love the humor in it. I love how it flowed. Tommy Jarvis, you know, I, I, just, everything about it, I loved. Um, now, since my mid-20s, I realized that uh, part four of the final chapter is my favorite ultimate. It, sp- I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it but but it's like neck and neck with part six. Um, if if you want like a top three, it's really four, six, two. Uh, those are my top three. I'm going part four. 
because mm-hmm. you got the fell dog you got Corey feldman fell dog and that's the interesting <laughs> thing about that movie is you're watching it and we were kids growing up we're watching these movies and it's like oh shit there's a little kid in this movie yeah so you definitely you're seeing it from his perspective yeah it's it's an extra uh layer uh, on the onion yeah yeah definitely yeah. and and the fact that the final girl in it trish jarvis is you know it's that um that extra danger yeah that, that you know she's ha- she not only is she trying to escape from a maniac she also has to like protect her family she's at got the same mother. time we got the dog yeah yeah, oh, yeah the dog that <laughs> just takes off and jumps out the window i still would like to believe that uh G- gordon. G- yeah jason throws gordon out the window in my mind that's i think what he happened. got so scared he jumped out the window and he's just like i'm out <laughs> gonna find a new family to live with far away from here yeah seriously find harry and the hendersons <laughs> if he's lucky no i just and, and hey if if we got to talk about another reason that i love that movie it's got the twins mm-hmm. they crispin glover cr- well come on man. come on crispin hellion glover Jesus has, has such fun characters like just fun goofy teenage characters that, you're like, you're a dead fuck you're a dead fuck come you on could, that, that whole stuff was uh you know they like ad libbed that stuff yeah they, they the director just wanted them to like talk about something in the back of the station wagon and it just carried on through the film, the whole dead fuck thing. That wasn't in the script. Yeah, you know, and like, it's cool that like the director gave them that much freedom and trust to come up with dialogue that we as an audience would find entertaining and it's stuck with us ever since. You and know? Joe Zito goes on to make another recommend from the offering, Invasion USA. <laughs> Which we watched the last time we hung out. We, right? we did. We did watch that. And it's like, it's kind of cool because there's this weird synergy. You're like, hey, Jason, Chuck Norris, eh, kind of the same thing. Yeah, why not? It's mayhem. He's taking out bad guys. Oh yeah. wait, no, that's not that's not the case at all. Is it? <laughs> well, that's the other thing too, is when you're when you're a kid, like I'm kind of rooting for Jason. I hate to say it. Like there was a part of me like, I really like this Jason guy. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Like, um, in the clever ways that he's going to off the characters that you immediately know that they're not going to make it. Yeah. But I do like to see the final girl stand up to him and, and take him out at the end. I, I, I like the killing of the, you know, the taking revenge on the monster kind of story um it's crazy because i thought we would have a lot more here but we both love friday the 13th the final chapter oh it's fantastic it's the quintessential film right like it really is it has i mean i mean i mean because at the time they thought it might be the last one let's go all out yeah let's go all out i mean the battle damage that kimberly beck does to him is like you know tv to the head uh machete in the hand the hammer smacking and then into his neck and you know like she beats the hell out of him because hey this is probably going to be the last one right let's go all out give savini all the money to do what he can you know um but uh the reality of friday the 13th the final chapter is that you can give it to any person mm -hmm. any walk of life and i think it's the one movie that you're like so you want to see what this franchise is all about that's the one. Yeah, especially since it has the recap in the beginning. So it's like if you know, you've never saw part one, two, and three, they recap it for you in the beginning. Yeah. So you can continue on to just watch that film. Previously on Friday the 13th. <laughs> Last season. It's crazy because now it's like, you know, these films, they're so cyclical. 
And, you know, people forget that was, I, I was listening to one of the producers on Rocky and they were explaining like, we kind of had to do this thing because it had been so many years between sequels. It's like the average moviegoer is, you know, forgot what happened. Right. You know, not like little nerds like us who were watching it on VHS. And it's like, I know what happened because I just took out the other VHS. <laughs> I love the part seven recap too. Part seven recap is the best. Yeah, it's great. I watched it. I watched it so much on the VHS that I mm. wore it down. <laughs> like, like you, if you put on the first five minutes of, of my, my new blood, it's, it doesn't work. And I love that it's, it's crazy Ralph Wart Gorney doing the uh, <laughs> the narration. It's yeah, so cool. I, I feel like, I don't know, if I was given a crack at Friday the 13th myself, I would be like, oh, I really got to double down on that crazy Ralph character. <laughs> you know, that, that's the direction to go in. Right. So we need to we need to talk about it because it has to be talked about. OK. The state of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't had a proper Friday the 13th film since the 2009 remake reboot quill whatever you want to call it right um and that film delivered and i i I like that movie a lot i really like it i really enjoy i enjoy it more than like you know some of the ones that i thought were lesser films um i mean i had some issues with it but hey we're fans yeah we're always going to have some kind of issue here and there with something but it doesn't matter doesn't mean that we don't still love it and still you know, not we're going to watch it. Well, that that's, you know, it always goes back to the old, um, the comparison to McDonald's. A good hamburger is a good hamburger is a good hamburger. <laughs> and when you had that, uh, it was basically that point in time in the early aughts where everything was getting remade. We got Rob Zombie's Halloween. We got the Michael Bay version, even Baden directed. Yeah, Texas Chainsaw. So Hills was, of Eyes. Yeah, the, the Platinum Dunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, films, which I love the Hills Have Eyes remake. I prefer it. Yeah. Uh, I love the original, but I prefer the, something about the tension in it is really unsettling. It's a, and, it's and a gruesome it, film. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great, honestly. And I, I, I love the My Bloody Valentine 3D. Oh, it was great. Loved it in 3D, and, you know, I, I think it's really well done. It's a solid movie. Um, so I don't mind... Uh, remakes and reboots and stuff like that is i mean the originals will always be there i mean if that's what you love you you know but i look at the friday 13th movies um you know because honestly this the state of the franchise is it's been 13 years dear god they're going to have to reboot it again with wherever the rights wind up uh I, i really deeply feel that's what it is you know and if they give it a little bit of a decent budget not too much, you know, but like a, make a budget enough to make its money back to make more sequels because that's what we want. We, yep. we want it to go on Just forever. Give us product. I feel like the franchise, um, you know, when it reaches 11 or 12 films, you're entering Godzilla franchise. You're, yeah. you're, you're entering James Bond franchise like you're it's that type of thing it has a special pantheon yes exactly and like the godzilla movies there's a bunch of like remakes in the 30 plus movies (laughs) that the godzilla movies have you know like uh godzilla like 1985 that was a remake basically i mean it was like a sequel to the first one or you know but it was rebooting that franchise and then we had the 80s and 90s godzilla movies and then into the 2000s and they you know, every, every like generation, they kind of like rebooted a little bit, so the next generation can enjoy. Um, 
but I, I always compare it to Godzilla and James Bond, like, because there's certain patterns to the films and you, you want to see those patterns. You want to, you want this, you, you, you want to expect, you know, what you expect to love from yeah. those movies. You know, like you just, I have to go on record too. And I got to state this. Um, the Friday the 13th, 2009 film was the highest grossing out of them all. It, it beat the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, which mm-hmm. just, fucking dreadful i i don't like it i have nothing good to say about it and i love jackie earl haley but it's a terrible film i like the micro nap part the mic mm. the micro sleeps were like they were yeah. like they didn't know if they were like sleeping or awake because they were haven't slept in so long so they were like blinking in and out of dreamland i thought that was cool that, that was a that's that's the biggest thing i took from it yeah i mean and that's the thing even the lesser entries you can kind of look at and say hey you know they did this right or this was an interesting idea or a concept but we're kind of at that point in time now. And, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot, Bobby. Um, <laughs> it's what we all think about. <laughs> Scream should have never left the 90s. Okay. Just an opinion. Right. And I don't think Friday the 13th should have ever left the 80s. I think it's kind of one of these series, like if I personally was going to reboot it now, I would have it be like 1983, 1984, mm-hmm. self-contained story. Because the way I would move the franchise forward is these little self, they're just tales of Jason. Okay. You know, and the, there's not a through line. There's not going to be returning characters. It's just, this is the story we're telling and that's it. And you know, they tried to do a bunch of sequels to the 2009 film. They were going to do a found footage film. They right. tried to do a 3D film. Mm-hmm. And one of the conceits with the 3D film and the found footage was it was supposed to be in the 80s, which I, I kind of agree with. I, re- I remember that. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of ideas. And unfortunately, I, it would have been great to like just continue the franchise there. But what happened happened and there's just no going back. No. But like, um, but again, like there's so many sequels in the series um, and characters and ways they can go, they could totally do like, I mean, that's why we have fan films now. It's like, or I like to call them tribute films. Uh, <laughs> I, li- I like that better. I like tribute. I'm kind of sick of the term fan film and, and every single Friday 13th fan film that gets released now, it says a Friday 13th fan film. And I'm Ooh. just like sick of looking that, looking at that. But, uh, so I will be calling victim the more a tribute film. <laughs> But there's so many stories that you could tell, so many characters that uh, branch off from those movies that, you know, um, I was kicking around an idea of just seeing what happened to Vic Fadden, the the guy from Friday 13 Part 5 that killed Joey at yeah. Pinehurst. You know, it's like, well, Roy never killed him, and he was the one who murdered his son. Like, he, all right, he went to prison, you know, but what if he got out now? Yeah. And what if he has followers? I like that. This is an idea that I, I, I've kicked around for a while. Um, there was no, but it could be a, a, like a, just a branched off Friday 13th. Tale, yeah. Yeah. Why know? not? There's, there's no hard rules. And I think that is why the fandom has kind of overtaken this franchise because mm-hmm. A good hamburger is a good hamburger. <laughs> and if McDonald's is closed, you got to make them yourself. And that's kind of where we're at. We'll be right back with more of The Offering with Jerry Horror.
you like vintage and retro style, you'll be shopping at these two shops. Paper Doll Vintage Boutique and Paper Doll Curiosity Shop. Long Island's premier shops for vintage, retro, gifts, and more. Paper Doll Vintage in Sayville has all one-of-a-true-kind vintage clothing and accessories for the true vintage lover, while Paper Doll Curiosity in Patchogue carries retro novelty gifts, toys, clothing. They've got something for everybody. Got something for the whole family. You want the credentials. Paper Doll Vintage Boutique has won first place in Best Vintage Clothing Store in Long Island Press's Best of Long Island. Seven years in a row, undefeated. Can your vintage and retro store say that? I'm gonna tell you what, probably not. Because of the unique nature of the items sold there, at both stores, the shop has become a local hub for artists, the community, hosting monthly art shows, classes, events, and even fashion shows. You gotta check this out. You gotta come down, you gotta see it. From theme party goers, theater stylists, companies, photographers, designers, all facets of the industry. How about that period film project? You know, the one that you've been thinking of that needs authentic wardrobe and props? Paper Doll Vintage. Paper Doll Vintage Boutique and Curiosity Shop specializes in distinctive items that are hard to find anywhere else. One of a kind. One of a kind. And you are one of a kind and you deserve that. Shop PaperDoll.com and express your personal style. Monster lovers, young and old, living and dead, you can now make it Halloween all year round. The Gooligans are dying for you to check out their creepy comedy horror show now on their YouTube channel. Have you been ravenous for programs that are geared more towards your sick sensibility? Have you been fiending for horror and comedy so fun that it makes you want to scream? Well, dig no further. Full episodes of the Gooligans miniseries are available for you to sink your teeth into. And if you don't know about the Gooligans, it's like the monkeys meets the monsters meets Pee-wee's Playhouse. These fun party monsters exist purely to bring on the death of your life-sucking normal everyday TV show. The Gooligans follows the adventures of Boris Stein, the monstrous Frankenstein construct, Wolfgang W. Wolfgang, the likable lycanthrope, and Void, king of the slow zombies, joined by a cadre of your favorite cult cretins, including vampires, sea creatures, luchadors, and sexy go-go girls. Check out the full episodes of their miniseries now on the Gooligans YouTube channel, and have a scary good time. You're listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. Got a question or a story you want to share with me? It might be featured in a future episode. Email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at jerryhara. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there at jerryhara. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review in an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Offering. Now back to the show. Now I, I like want to that. ask you, you, you have directed this film, Victim No More. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we jumping into that? Or we're jump- we- no, we're, we're officially jumping into okay, that. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm an animal. I can't wait. Okay. Um, the reality of it is, is you say to yourself, I want to make this movie. What mm-hmm. What was the genesis of that? What? Uh, I mean, it really goes back to childhood. I mean, like, like I said, my friend Tommy and I, we would 
always dream of making a Friday Thirteenth film, and and we did eventually when I got a video camera, and in the early '90s we would make like little Jason uh, films or you know it's Friday Thirteenth ripoff yeah <laughs> films, or it, we even made like a, a Chucky film, um, uh, which we called Child's Play Seven. Nice. It was pretty funny, and now they're up to seven. You know, like <laughs> with Cult of Chucky. Life imitates art. Yeah, exactly. Eventually, we got there. Uh, but it came from that. But it really came to a point where I'm like, for years, I was going to make an anthology film, uh, and I was trying to figure out, oh, do how do I raise the money for this? I really want to do this. Um, and then I saw uh, Never Hike Alone. Uh, which is a fan film that really exploded on YouTube. Yeah. And it got over a million views. And, like, it was done with really good quality. Um, trying to be... Uh, I'm trying to gingerly open my iced tea. <laughs> hey, 4C Company, if you're out there, I really enjoy your sugar-free half and half. <laughs> oh, we got a sponsor today, yeah. Um, let me drink from my, uh, no, cause that's the thing. You basically, what you're telling me is you were always making these movies. Well, I always wanted to make it. I mean, if I had like a lot of money, I, I would want to make a Friday 13th film. I love the franchise that much. And of all the franchises, um, that I do love, that would be the one that's possible. Yeah. You know, like Jason in the woods with a bunch of people, you know, like can't get any easier than that, but it's the quality that wouldn't be there unless you have the money yeah. to pay give it the you know the production it deserves and never hike alone is something i saw and i was just like man great quality great production value like i I really enjoyed what they did and it kind of inspired me to be like you know what i'm putting this anthology horror movie anthology thing aside i really think i should make a friday 13th film i'm a huge fan i and there's connections that i have that i think it would be possible to like pull this off um and at the time, I thought, you know what? I, 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 let me start an Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. Um, and see where this goes. I mean, I'm friends with enough people on Facebook and all the social medias, like, and and friends and family that will contribute. Like, I, I kind of had, to, I kind of knew that I would make the budget. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I thought, hey, thirteen thousand would be enough <laughs> to make this. Uh. And, you know, little did I know, um, because I haven't made a film in 15 years because I made a bunch of short films in the early to mid 2000s. And I just kind of, you know, life gets in the way and you kind of, you know, get a normal job and stuff like that. Uh, But but I said, you know what, if I don't make this, I'm going to regret it the rest of my life. So let me do this. So I put together the Indiegogo campaign. Um. And we raised thirteen thousand dollars. Wow! Uh, two days before the pandemic hit, <laughs> that's when the campaign closed. Thank God, because when the pandemic started, nobody had any money to. And that you know, was, I think, was at our last. It was like Friday the thirteenth of it was yeah March thirteenth. The, the campaign ended on March eleventh. Uh, so I made the thirteen thousand, uh, and as time went on, I realized like, oh man. Uh, unless I start cutting things out of the script, we're not going to be able to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, 
we're not going to be able to afford all this. And that, um, that's a devil's errand, you know? Yeah, because but... stuff that you love, but you're like, oh. Yeah, and there was some things that I did... Some things I, I did cut out, but for the most part, I kept true to, you know, major plot points and things that happened in the script that I really wanted to show. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I mean, honestly, it came to be more than double that. Wow. Yeah, it, it came to be almost $30,000. Jesus. Uh and it's not a feature length. Um and, and and you know, God bless everybody that does feature length Friday the 13th films, but sometimes it's like if you don't have the budget for it, you should probably just do a short film. Yeah, I I've seen you know? and I'm not going to not going to be a dick and mention any of them, but I've seen some movies that are mighty suspect these tribute films, these fan films mm-hmm. that it's like did you really you know, it's a lot of filler. A lot yeah, of filler. a lot a lot of filler, a lot of just I mean, you you could have just cut it in half and had the quality there to for and rewatchability, you know, like just cut out all that stuff and you'd have a solid film, you know? It's the only franchise that has this whole subculture of people that are making these films, keeping this alive. And you really can't say that about any other franchise. There's more Friday 13 fan films on YouTube um, than any other franchise. There's got to be a hundred fan films. I'm not even lying. Like I, I, I watched about 30 of them. And I'm just amazed that it just keeps going. If you put in Friday Thirteenth fan film, it just does not end. Yeah, they're they're doing. Uh, I think is the American Film Archive. They're doing the uh, Friday the Thirteenth mixtape, which they can't release on a Blu-ray, but they can do screenings of it. Mm-hmm. And it's basically it's seventy minutes of kids in the eighties, nineties, and two thousands that got to make their own little Friday the Thirteenth fan. You know, <laughs> I should have uh, thrown thrown in mine. No, I mean you know the thing is is I. I uh, I know Bobby, so I've gotten to see a little bit of what this is, and it's mm-hmm. kind of much bigger in scope than, <laughs> you know, it's bigger in scope. It's bigger than, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, it's but. it's one of those things where I think if the fans didn't commandeer the ship, become you know, I'm the captain now. Look into my eyes. Mm-hmm. If we didn't take it back. I don't know where it would be at this point. Right. You know, would it just be a footnote in in the history? But it's such a huge franchise. I mean, it makes it made over a billion dollars. The merchandise, the video game. It's merchandise is still going. I don't know how they're doing it. It just keeps going. uh, I don't know what the rights are when it comes to the merchandise that's still being put out there and, you know, stores. It's an earner. It's one of these things that quietly it does its numbers it makes its money and you'd have to say to yourself well you probably remember wb was sean cunningham had went to wb they had the cw yes and they wanted to do a weekly television show Mm -hmm. and uh it didn't sound too promising no and it's funny it's the second time i heard uh (laughs) i've been to a lot of horror conventions yeah with you know with sean cunningham being there uh let me tell you about Sean Cunningham doesn't really seem to understand its success. Yeah. And always thinks to he wants to do something different with it. Yeah. And the fans just kind of want what they're used to, like the Godzilla movies. You want to see Godzilla come out of the water and smash buildings and fight 
a bad guy or something. Yep. You want James Bond to do his thing. Don't you know? overthink it. Don't overthink it. You know, just keep it, you know, add a little twist here and there and leave it as it is. Uh, and different Jason look and, di- you know, di- play with that stuff, you know. But there, um, There's nuances because it's its own little pocket universe. And, right. And there's, there's tropes, there's nuances. Yeah, motifs, you yep. know, like things that you got to do. Um, Specific to Friday the 13th. Right. And there was two moment, two conventions that I went to with Sean Cunningham at a Q&A. Uh, one was back in 2001 when Jason X <laughs> had started filming and was about to be released at the end of that year, I think. But um, Sean Cunningham asked the audience, cause, and it was him and Kane up on stage. Mm. He was like, oh, what do you guys think about this? <laughs> Jason in space. Oh. And it was a packed room. And there was a hush over the crowd. And you felt from all the fans, this is not a good idea. We don't want this. We don't want this. And like the hush was like <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> and I felt almost bad for Sean Cunningham and Kane Otter. But like it just, there was just a hush, and like, and and immediately, you know what everybody was thinking that yeah. were like horror fans in the audience. They were thinking Leprechaun in space, you know, like what the fuck is this? What it's come to? And you're not coming off a of W. You're coming off of Jason Goes to Hell, which for the most part, yeah, body hopping movie. Yeah, you know, and, like, and look, I like Jason Goes to Hell. I think it's cool. I think it's, it's a fun movie. It's the goriest too. Yeah. If, you, if you like special effects, it's K and B craziness. But he he Cunningham goes from Paramount, goes to New Line Cinema, and says, "You, we're going to go, I've got a young director, we're going to go in this wildly different direction. He pushed for that. Mm-hmm. And it just, to me, it's kind of like, so your follow-up to that movie, which was not well-received, is taking <laughs> this guy into space? Because right. now we've gotten to this point where, like, the whole in-space thing, like Hellraiser did it, Leprechaun did it, it's almost kind of like a death sentence, like not for nothing, like that last Fast and the Furious movie sucked. <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't see it, but I heard. They kind of go to space. Well, and I heard in the next one, they will or something or. Stay tuned. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. For Fast X. Yeah, Fast X. Like Jason X. Exactly. Um, But that hush came over and, you know, and then the second time I saw him was just a few years ago with that whole WB wanted to make a Friday through Teen series. Yeah. Uh, and he, he said that it wouldn't really focus on Jason so much. This is what he tells the Q&A audience that, you know, it wouldn't really have to do with Friday 3, but it would be like tales that happen, supernatural things that happen in the town and like, you know, all these like secrets and things that happen. And and uh, once again, the hush over the audience was just like, this is not what we, what we want. Why, yeah. why do you keep doing this? Like, I don't know. So he doesn't, I don't think he really quite understands what, he started. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. I think the same thing could be said for John Carpenter. John Carpenter, mm-hmm. for a long time, you know, he's come back uh, with these Blumhouse films and he's doing the soundtrack. He's much more involved. But for a long time, he was just, I get yeah. a paycheck and you get, <laughs> you know, he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. You know, he, he wants to do other things, you know. Um, I love his music. Yeah. I mean, he's great. <laughs> Uh, I would love to see one more John Carpenter film, and that film I want him to have a lot of fun with. And well, I, I would, I would love for him to close out a Snake Plissken trilogy, 
and that have that just be the last movie. Just Escape from Earth. It's been talked about for 15 years. It's like just just do just it. you and Kurt. Yeah. You know, you did like four or five movies together. Like like just go have fun. You know, and just go crazy. You know, but and why isn't Blumhouse saying like, "Hey John Carpenter, you really inspired so many movies that we're making." It's like, "Here's 20 million. Go well, go do I know they, Blumhouse has their 4 million, 12 million no, thing, but, but like I do have a little bit of interesting inside tidbit about that oh okay uh so right now john carpenter is doing the st- the score for the Firestarter remake mm-hmm. because originally he was supposed to direct he it. was supposed to direct it so it's right. it's kind of full and i love the Firestarter story yeah i even like the soundtrack the tangerine dream did the original soundtrack yes. and basically tangerine dream was told hey can you make it sound more like john carpenter because <laughs> dino de Laurentiis was just guy was just a fucking asshole in a lot of ways right um but the inside track was Blumhouse had a film in development with Carpenter and they just couldn't come to an agreement. But from what Jason Blum has gone on record saying, like, they are actively they're, they're They're just like, John, what what can we do? So, like, his last thing was like, I want to do a Western. I never got to do a Western. And right. I'm, I'm sure somebody could get it financed. You could get it. But that's not what Blumhouse does. So right. the Western was, you know, like, well, are there monsters in it, John. No? no. Okay. Yeah, we're not interested. So. Yeah, and that kind of sounds like. Yeah, I, I was thinking when you were, when we were talking about John Carpenter when you, you first brought him up. I, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, he wants to make a western. Yep. <laughs> it's like nobody's going to give him money to make that western. Same with George Romero. He wanted to make a western also. Like he, him and Carpenter were similar that way. They always wanted to make westerns, and I'm kind of glad that Romero, you know, as much as it's not liked he kind of got to make a little bit of a Western with survival of the dead. Yeah. Like his final film, like he, you know, he had the Cowboys on horses and the, the, you know, the family, the warring families and stuff, you know, you, um, I'm kind of happy for him and, and he was satisfied by by it. So it's like, you know what? Good. He got to make his like somewhat Western. (laughs) He got to do a Western zombie movie. basically. Yeah. Um, wasn't well received, but, Whatever. You got to be happy for the guy, you know? And that's the thing is... And his legacy for what he left. The difference between me and my father is my father grew up watching Westerns. Same with my dad. So we grew up watching all of this smut. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trash. All this trash. Uh, (laughs) And now it's like we're kind of at that age where we can make these movies. We can produce them. Mm -hmm. So what was one thing that you wanted to do differently? What was... You said... To yourself, there's one thing I can add to this franchise with Victim No More. What was it that you were trying to bring to the table? Well, I can tell you this. I, I made a list of things that I would like to see mm. as a fan. Um, So, you know, after I saw like Never Hike Alone and, you know, one or two of the other fan films, I was like, you know what? What would I bring to it? Um, I really wanted to... I wanted, I wanted to tell the story of... You know, like all the final girls, yeah, or final boys, boys, if you want to count Tommy Jarvis and a couple of the other guys. After that, um, I really wanted to tell the story of like, well, these people kind of grew up, had families of their own. Mm. How do the kids deal with what their parents went through? Like, because their parents, you know, they they probably still suffer from anxiety and depression and. You know, the constant memories of what they went through, this like, this horrible traumatic thing yeah. of a killer 
killing all their friends and them escaping. And like, they probably, you know, so it's intergenerational trauma. Right. Yes, exactly. And I, I wanted to tell a story about a young man, um, that's kind of has the overprotective mom. Cause she was a final girl. You know, she, she went through trauma with Jason Voorhees and, and she's overprotective. You know, he's always paranoid about, you know, he, he's in his like twenties now, his mid twenties. And he's like, she always wants to know where he's going. So he's feeling boxed in, in his life, you know? So he's going to therapy and stuff. And, uh, and I want to tell the story of him trying to help his family by showing them that Jason Voorhees doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that he's just a legend. And so in his naive thinking, he's like, well, I'm just going to go to Camp Crystal Lake. And show him that it's like, it's yeah. peaceful now. There's nothing, the past can't hurt you anymore. You know, like, and it's a line in the movie too. Um, you know, sh- sh- prove to them that the past can't help. And like, please let me live my own life. Yeah. You know, let me be free. You know, like, I know it was a horrible thing to happen to you. But you need to like, let your children live their lives. Yeah. You know, so there's this k- kind of. You know, so I wanted to kind of tell, like, it's it almost sounds like a family drama, <laughs> but put into a Friday 13th film. <laughs> but I kind of wanted to, you know, tell that kind of a story. And it hasn't been done. Hasn't been done. And of course, you know, I'm going to have the things that you expect in a Friday 13th film. Yeah, like, it's, hey, folks, it's still a Friday the 13th Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie. He's <laughs> like, don't worry. Like, when, when the movie starts, you're going to be like, uh, what is this? Yeah. Like, this does not feel like a Friday. But then as it goes on. It will be a Friday. 13th but you know film. what? I'm I, I'm more fine with the family drama than going to space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least it at least it's grounded into you know where you want to be in a Friday Thirteenth film. Um. So there was that. Um. Again, when I saw some of these fan films, I saw like high production and some good production here and there, but it, there was things in it that I was kind of like, all right, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, uh, things like, oh my God, everybody in the world has a drone camera. Oh yeah. We've got endless drone shots. Endless drone shots in every single film, big or small, because so-and-so has a drone camera and we could use it and it's great to look at. But I really wanted to give it the feel of like an old school Friday 13th movie. Do you remember any helicopter shots? No nope. Friday 13th movies. Nope. Any of them. Nope. <laughs> Maybe the remake has one or two. I'm not sure. I don't think so, though. I, I don't even think in 2009. I they... think that's the secret, though. If if you're gonna go back to those, if that's if we're making a Friday the Thirteenth <clears throat> film, that's the perfect approach, right? Like, what was the tech they had to deal with? You know, like right. what's they kept it grounded. They kept it, you know, um, you know, and, and that's kind of one of what I really wanted to do was keep it old school like that. Yeah. And Sean King, being the cinematographer was really happy about what I wanted to do. He, Cause he, even he was just kind of like, well, the drone camera is going to cost this much money and you have to do this and that and everything. And it was kind of like, you know what? Let's scrap that. Cause it was two shots that were going to be drone camera shots. And I was just like, uh. I really thought about it. And I just said, you know what? Let's go old school. Yeah. Let's do a lot of things. Just whole scenes taking place in one shot, you know, like let's, you know, not because we didn't have the time or the budget to do that, but that's just kind of how those 
movies were shot then. You know, yeah. like they they plan out the shot. There wasn't a lot of like close ups. You know, from here to here and here. You know, it's like let's just keep it old school. Yeah, there's a bit you of know, you know going back to those early films. No shaky camera. No, oh no, yeah. There's, there's no shaky camera work in it. Just like here's, you know, a lot of nice shots, steady cam shots and tripod shots and. Like let's let's keep it old school. Uh, another thing I really wanted to stay away from was my phone. It has no service. Oh no, yeah, no. If I I always told myself if I ever if I ever had to write that line in a script, I I would just kill myself. <laughs> like, so, I'm I'm glad to hear it. Because, so guess what? Yeah. Everybody's phone works perfectly fine. <laughs> You're in New Jersey, okay? Yeah. Uh, which is where supposedly the Friday Thirteenth movies take place, correct? Blairstown. Well, it's not Blairstown. It's like Cunningham County or yeah. Wessex <laughs> County or something, you know. But basically, it's it's Jersey. It's yeah, it's tri-state area. We're Jersey adjacent. We're Jersey, we're Jersey Jason. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, you know what? Uh, the phones work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I like that though. You know, and this is again, I always talk about. I like when especially directors make choices. That's a, that's a choice. That's definitely a choice. Because it's so easy to say like I got no service, you know, you know and have the guy oh boy, hold the phone up to the sky and be like, I don't know, I got one bar and you know like I don't need that nonsense. And to be honest know. with you like, you know, a phone can't save you. If you're in eminent danger, you know, right. what, what are you going to do? Fucking broadcast it to TikTok? You know, like, <laughs> look, he's chasing us. Oh, my God. Right. And you know what? To be perfectly honest with you, I'm sure there is a film that somebody has conjured up in their brain that has to deal with social media. You got, like, say, a group of kids and they're like, hey, let's go out and see if Jason Voorhees is real. Right. You know, and they try to. That's probably what that found footage. Yeah. Sequel was to the 2009 one. Um, But. So there was there was definitely a list that I wanted to be like, all right, I don't want I want to see this, I don't want to see this. Um uh another thing was I noticed a lot of the fan films and and believe me, I respect every single one of the fan films yeah. and that they made a movie and you know, they definitely have fans of them and it, it and I like a lot of what they did even in the ones that I don't like some of the choices that they did. Yeah, there's you passion know? there. Yeah, there's there's still passion there. Uh, a lot of them kind of do the fan film of, oh, this takes place directly after part six or part seven or, or wherever, you know, like it's a sequel to this and they just ignore the rest. I'm not into like, let's ignore any of the sequels and pick up where, you know, the last one that you liked was, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't want to do that, you know, so I just kind of make it more. Um, you know, I don't like reference. I don't not reference the sequels that I don't care about. I just, I don't ignore them though. Yeah. There's no reason to bring it up. Yeah. I just don't bring them up. You know, I, I treat it again, like, um, like Godzilla where it's like, Hey, it's just time for Jason to return. Yeah. He's coming out of the lake onto his territory and doing what he does. That's it. I don't have to like ignore, um, because I was messing around with the idea of like, oh, this one can take place in between part seven and eight. Yeah. And and play with the idea of like what I talked about earlier, where like, oh, maybe he gets leather gloves by the end. And that explains why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he has gloves in part eight. 
But and, then, and that's something fans would love. I'd like it. Yeah, like like little dopey, you know, explanations like that. You know that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I decided not to. You know, I'm very subtle with a lot of references, and I I love subtle references because that's for the hardcore fans. Yeah. You know, like little things. Um. Uh. Like there's one thing that I cut out of the script. But I was going to have a character show up whose name was Mary Jo Conrad, which was a character that was just mentioned in name in part three. Sorry, part 3D. Part 3D. <laughs> part 3D uh, by Chris Higgins. You know, she she brings up, oh, you could have spent the weekend with Mary Jo Conrad and you settled for little old me. Um, so it was just a name of somebody that's a character that we never see, but that's just mentioned. I'm like, oh, it would be cool to have like a face now to go with that name to show up in the film. So I, I was going to do that, but I wound up cutting that scene because of budget reasons. What's crazy is like you people talk now about these films, like the, the Marvel stuff and everything else. It caters too much to fans and there's too much fan service and there's too many Easter eggs. And Friday the 13th is I like fan service. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, of course. But Friday the 13th has got something even better. The fans are making it themselves. Yes. It's an active community that's like, okay, well, you're not going to give us new ones. We'll make them ourselves. Absolutely. And you got to love that DIY, you know, energy. Right. Absolutely. So I I just got to ask some questions here. I'm sorry. Okay. Spoiler-free questions. Spoiler-free questions. Okay. So when can we be looking forward to seeing this film? Uh, Right now we're on a deadline for the end of July, beginning of August. Okay. Uh, there will be a friends and family screening on Long Island, uh, which, of course, you're all invited to. Oh, right. Even Pete, your uh, producer here, who's also a location scout credit, you know, because we did go check out, what was the name of that place? Uh, it's in Hop Hog by your house. Yeah, Hoy Farms. Oh, Hoy Sorry. Farms, great. Yeah, we were. I was looking for different locations for certain scenes. Uh, but, and, oh, and thank you, by the way, for promoting and supporting this film. Like, Somebody's got to do for it. For the last couple of years. <laughs> no, you fantastic. I loved your little things that you created, you know, for, uh, for the Instagram and everything. That was great. It's the least I could do. Thank you. <laughs> Believe me. Cause I, I, you know, I obviously, and I can't do that stuff. I'm like, you know, st- stupid when it comes to like technology. So I love when friends of mine like jump in and like create a little, you know, victim no more Friday 13th, you know, thing. Well, it's it, you know, what it is, is, and we can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. And this is why, (laughs) this is why you got to go see the movie. But when Bobby had told me what he was doing with it, I got really excited. And that's just from the place of being a fan and Mm -hmm. saying like, okay, wow, this is a different take. Um, and from what I do know and what I can tell you, this is something different than you've seen before. And I mean that in a good way, right? It's, it's got all that Friday the 13th goodness, but he's got some really cool twists that I don't think anybody's going to see coming. No. And I, there's definitely, you know, a level of some fan service in it. Um, and there's definitely something in there that Friday the 13th fans would, you know, have been dying to see for years. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, it, it's like the closest I could do, you know, with the people that I know that could kind of pull that off a little bit. Uh, hopefully it's pleasing enough, yeah. you know, cause they're, cause they're just never going to do that particular idea that fans have wanted for all these years in a big studio film. Yeah. You know, because like I said, they're going to wind up restarting the franchise anyway. They so, got so they're going to go wherever they go with that. Um, but what was I going to say before I was sort of thanking you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, don't even worry about that because I already have another question. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. I'm sorry. Okay, yes. Go ahead. Uh, there was a friends and family screening we're going to do. And then at the end of August, uh, we're going to have a convention screening. Nice. So on that same weekend, it's kind of – so convention screening is basically showing it to the world. Uh, so on that same weekend, that's when we're going to upload to premiere it on YouTube, Vimeo. And there's going to be a website. Uh, the, the website is is up right now, um, but you know there's going to be a lot more added to it. Yeah, um, it's kind of under construction a little bit, but uh, it's victimnomorefilm.com. Um, so put that in your browser and smoke it. Yes, exactly. I promise we're not going to. Sp- <laughs> My name is Bobby Heckman, and we're not going to space. Yeah, I promise you. We are definitely not going to space. If the, hey, if we got a budget of. Uh, 14 million or something maybe we'd go to space we're going back to space we got the budget they approved it i want to know the story of earth 2 you know jason lands in a lake and it starts all over again at the end i, I thought that was a perfect ending okay this is this is where i make it in a very stupid movie it was a perfect ending <laughs> i make a deep dark confession that i've read the comic books and i've read the novels the jason i have X not novels. read the novels but i read the comic books and I, I really enjoyed them gotta be honest with you the novels were not bad Okay. They're not great, but they're not bad. All right. Cool. I'm just, again. If you're looking for some. They could suck, but hey, we got to be glad they exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some breezy summer reading if you're looking for those Jason X, uh, you know, I was going to say soft core. <laughs> <laughs> what do they, there's there's hardbound and there's. Hardcover and, and uh, I can't paperback. Th- paperback. Thank you. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> paperback. Wow. This is. So, okay, so let me ask you this, because yeah. this is another question that I have. Go for it. After everything you've been through oh, to boy. make this movie. Oh, God. Okay. I don't want to even go there. No, no, we don't, even go, we're not, we don't even need to go there. <laughs> okay. Someone says to you, I want to do this. I want to I make a Halloween tribute movie. What is the one piece of indelible advice that you would give to a, another filmmaker? Um, hmm. Hey, if you got the money and the time. Just do it. Wow. Like Nike. Yeah. <laughs> just do it. Uh, just, I mean, have they done other films though? You know, or are they, is it their first time project? Are they aware of the stress and things that could happen throughout making a I think film? That, I think oh, that's the hard work. Do they, are they aware of the hard work? Well, they're going the to find, find out. They're going to find out about the 16 hour days and the, uh, you know, oh, here's here's one thing too. Now, after filming the movie last summer, I now realize why they shot basically all of the Friday Thirteenth movies in the fall. Okay, so now we're gonna get to the what not to do. So what not? What would you tell filmmakers not to do? All right, if you're gonna make a movie, don't do it in the summer okay. <laughs> where it's ninety degrees and basically ninety percent of your movie takes place outside in the woods. I can't lie. In hundred dollar, hundred degree uh, heat, you know. Producer Pete and I did not work on Victim No More, 
but at the same time, you would have been miserable. <laughs> we were, we were getting texts. We're following everybody on social media, right? And you know, we're making it look like a good time, didn't it? <laughs> well, we're, we're we're doing we're doing this little podcast, and we're inside. We're we're indoor kids, you know. Like Pete, mm-hmm. Pete and I have allergies. We're like, oh, we can't go outside. <laughs> so like. I'm I'm looking at the photos and I'm like, oh, like it's really hot out. <laughs> you can see the sweat, yeah, on all the PAs walking around. And uh, honestly, the the days that I thought would be the worst days of shooting turned out to be some of the best. Yeah, uh, the days when there was like 30 people on set, and it, I, I thought it was going to be like, oh my god, it's going to be 100 degrees. Everybody's going to have to use the bathroom every five seconds. Little did I know when it's hot in summer. And people are drinking a lot of water. They're also sweating it out, so they don't use the bathroom as much. Pfft, had no idea. Dear God, this is this is biology. I you know one on one. I had no idea. This is what happens. Um, and then the days that I thought would be much easier were the worst days of shooting. Really? Uh, yeah. Day two. Oh, the dreaded day two, where, um, yeah, it, it was definitely in the nineties and. Uh, I threw out my back Ooh. and still had hours and hours more of shooting and Jesus got a rash and like it, it was not a good, you know, and we had to change locations from where we were. Uh, it was a terrible day and we didn't get to shoot everything that we needed to shoot. So we had to have a um, another day for shooting. Can I like say the rest of that scene? Am I allowed to say who plays your killer? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Our, our friend, our friend, James Taffarelli, um, he's done a bunch of stuff. He's an actor and he was telling me mm-hmm. that just from the makeup, the prosthetics, the whole nine, just buckets of sweat coming out of the guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, he was pretty rank. He would have to like, <laughs> he would have to unclothe before getting in the car and put, put everything in trash bags and, you know. And then we'd have to clean certain things, and yeah, <laughs> it, it's one of those. It's one of those things. You because, know how pussy Jason was in Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah, that's how pussy he was, like in real life. Super <laughs> <pussy>. <laughs> it's it's crazy though because I even said to James in passing, I'm like, dude, I'm like, how fucking cool is it? I'm like, you got to play the killer. You got yeah, to, you got to play the man. It was great. And then and then you know James kind of made this face like. You know <laughs> about that, you know, like because it's one of he these... loved every second of it, and he'll he, yeah he even in like the even he said on the days that were rough yeah with him in like full makeup and you know costume he uh, after the day was done he was you know he's like this is this is gonna be great this is gonna be great yeah you know, he's like he's like it might have been a you know a sixteen cra- hour crazy rough day. But it's totally worth it. Yeah, every single part you're of living it was your right. dream. You're living yeah. your fantasy. It's uh, like I said, day two was one of the worst days. Uh, day three was the next day, and even by day three, the the very next day, I was like, you know what? That was still totally worth what we, sh- everything that we shot yesterday. Yeah, it was rough. It was miserable, but it was great. Yeah, you know, like it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Everybody wants to be the Incredible Hulk, but nobody wants to be Lou Ferrigno yeah. sitting, getting painted green for 16 hours a day. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy being green. It really isn't easy being green. Bobby, if there's anything else that you would like to say about Victim No More, hey, here's a question for you. Ooh. 
Another one. Another question. I've got I've got tons of questions. Ooh, okay. Very inquisitive. A curious nature. If you could, would you make a sequel? That's a very, very good question. And originally, I wasn't planning on making a sequel. Okay. But just in the last couple of weeks, and of course, it depends on the reaction to the film. Yeah. Like, how, how it's received. Yeah, how it's received, how many views it gets. And like, I mean, but even... Even so, um, I do have two sequels in mind. Oh, and there would there would never be more than that. I would have a victim no more trilogy. Nice, uh, and that would be it. But it, it I mean, I would I wouldn't do it like, hey, let me just start raising money next year yeah. and like make it, you know, next year or the year after. I have other things I want to do, but it would be kind of a an idea of uh, every four or five years. Revisit it. I revisit it. Yeah, Yeah, I I, kind of want to like let the fan film or tribute film thing maybe die down a little bit. I don't think it will. No. But (laughs) but like kind of like, you know, let's let it die down a little bit and then just come out with it. But I I do have a sequel um, ready to go as far as I'm so eager to write it. Yeah. Uh. And then a sequel to that, which would end the trilogy. Um, and and I think it would be a really proper way to end the trilogy. Hey, man. If David, and David ties, Gordon of course, Green. directly into all the original Friday 13th movies. There are trilogies within movies. Uh, yeah, the, Hallo- the Halloween movies that are going on right now. They're, he's about to end that. Four, five, and six were kind of a trilogy. Yes. Um Four, five, and six, four, five, of, and six of Friday the Thirteenth were, were a trilogy, and then three, four, and five with Nightmare on Elm Street. I gotta say though, just off the record, well, it's gonna be on the record now. Right, David Gordon Green had better stick the landing with Halloween Ends. He's oh, gotta stick that ending. Yeah, evil better die that night. <laughs> yeah, evil better be put to rest. <laughs> put to rest. And it's funny because at first the producers of that film were like, well. You know, we we really we have this vision with David Gordon Green, and we want him to execute it. And now they're already like, "Well, it'll be the end of his trilogy, but you know, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to make more movies." Like, don't right. get, hey. Um, I, I do want to say, you know, a a big shout out to Sean King. I mean, without him, I would not have made been able to make the movie and have it look as good as it's going to look. Um, because and. <laughs> I mean, he shot it for, you know, for free. I mean, I don't know if you want to count food and stuff like that, but uh, my wife, you know, gave him a kidney. So he's like, well, I'll shoot your movie for free. You know, like it's, yeah. I mean, I that's a story in itself, of course. Uh, that's and, the, the documentary about Victim No More. Yeah, it, I mean, uh, there is going to be a feature right on the Blu-ray about, nice. you know, I don't know if that'll be mentioned, but uh, I'm mentioning it right now, right here. Uh, but that was an amazing thing. I mean, I mean, and nobody suffered more than Sean this past summer, like shooting the movie. <laughs> like he, I mean, he's dealing with a new kidney. <laughs> he's, uh, not a fan of the sun. So, uh, <laughs> no, woo, noted, working in that vampire, heat. Sean King. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was crazy, but I love him. And, you know, I, you know, I'm going to worship him until I die. Uh, and hopefully, if we do do a sequel, I will pay him <laughs> handsomely, handsomely yeah. to do the sequels. So, well, you know, the crazy thing is, is that for a while, a lot of us were 
you know, getting used to the modern, uh, getting our information on the internet. And we used to get excited, like, oh, wait, I, he I heard they're going to do this with Friday the 13th. And now the trajectory of it has completely changed. People are more excited now about these fan films because they're like, yeah, when they get their shit together, we'll get more Friday the 13th movies. But until then, mm -hmm. these fan films, these tribute films have now become, people are excited. People are like, they yeah. want to see the next there's, you know, Never Hike Alone. There's a lot of great ideas. That a lot of like Vin DeSanti, uh, you know, with the Never Hike Alone movies, and there's some great ideas out there that, yeah. that, that they're playing with. And I, as a fan, I I love it. You know, like it or hate it, I, I'm I love I love that they exist. I keep saying that, but yeah. like I do. I like that there's these movies out there. Um, well, I think Victim No More will probably lend to that mythology. You know, yes. it's, it's its own kind of like. It was one of these things that was fostered by a studio, but now it's like it's got its own life. It's its its, its I own. I really biome. hope so. I really hope that people really enjoy the story that we're telling. That it's different. I mean, you're gonna have those same Friday Thirteenth motifs and things in there, but um, yeah, I, I hope the fans really enjoy what we do. Um, I, I'm 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 prepared for all the hate. Yeah, you know, because it comes with territory. It comes with the yeah fandom. You know, like half the people hate it, half the people like it, you know. Um, but, you know, see what happens. I'm just one. And I'm not somebody that likes to, like, go out there and promote it a lot. I, I just want to, like, let the word on the street hit and let it just make a life of its own. I'm, I'm not I'm not somebody who's doing it to get other projects made. I, I, I'm yeah, you can call me a filmmaker, but like. I'm not looking to make it a career. Yeah. I love the Friday 13th movies. I wanted to make a Friday 13th film. I did it. And this is your I way. I know what's entertaining in a movie to me, so let me try to do. You're giving back to the mythology. You're giving back to the franchise. And I yep. think that's the most we can ask from a fan. Yeah, I'm just going to put it out there, step away, see what happens. Yeah. People respond, then I'll think about sequels. Bobby, where can people find out, just to reiterate for folks who might have come in late or maybe they were using the bathroom, <laughs> where can they find out about Victim No More? Um, you could find out on Facebook. There's a Facebook page, Victim No More. Um, I think if you just put in Victim No More, it should pop up. Uh, it might be a survival group of some sort, but like uh, Victim No More movie, if you put it in Facebook um, or through me, Bobby Heckman, you'll see a link. And Instagram, uh, VNM underscore 2020. 2020 is when it was supposed to come out, but, you, you know, know, pandemic, pandemic. So postpone some things. Uh, I, I'm not really on Twitter because I just don't quite get it. It's okay. Just something this 46 year old guy just never grasped. You're fine. Grasped. You're not missing <laughs> anything. Uh, I wish you were, but you're not. I'm not on TikTok. You're, you're, you're fine. <laughs> also, check that under. You're fine. Okay. Maybe I'll make Victim the More a 15-second TikTok video instead. You know? I like that. <laughs> That's what the fans really want. They Jerry, want. I'll let you edit it into yeah. a 15-second film. It's going to be brutal. <laughs> Bobby, I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show. Thank appreciate you so it. much. You, the Had second awesome guest. Time. Yeah. Oh, wait. Me and Sean King? Yep. He was first. You're second. Oh my god! I, I, I oh, man, <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what's coming next? He, he said he didn't want anybody to. He wanted to be the only guest. Uh, is this gonna be a 
This is a super special uh, secret episode then. I, he can't hear this. No. You know what? Let's murder him. No, I'm kidding. That's Let's terrible. Let's do that. All right, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Heckman has been my guest. Victim no more. Filmmaking. Do you want to make films? I told you in the beginning. you got to listen to me. Go make your own films, Lloyd Kaufman. Make your own damn movie. Fuck around and find out. Ladies and gentlemen and friends beyond the binary, mostly horror, but always genre. This has been The Offering. I'm Jerry Hara. Be well. You've been listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. I'm very sorry. Produced by Pete Bune. If you have a question or a story you want to share with me, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter at jerryhara or on Instagram at jerryhara. You get in the picture? Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are provided for you and your family. I want you to enjoy. Just join us next time for another offer. I'm Tom. My partner Mike and I have been friends and co-workers for a long time. And at work, we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about TV shows and movies we are currently watching. Whether we're arguing over which Marvel TV show is the best or agreeing about which Netflix original movie is the worst, the pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today. This has been a Sick Boy Wolfgang production. Thank you for listening.